Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from TechTables.com, and you're listening to the Public Sector Show by TechTables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders. Through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events, we offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating. Just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves. Today, we have Kim Warren, CIO of the Department of Labor and Industry for the state of Montana. Kim, welcome to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. Thank you, Joe. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm grateful to Kevin Gilbertson, the Montana State CIO, for introducing us. I had a ton of fun getting to know you on our intro call. And But for those who don't know you quite yet, for the audience, can you just give a brief background with your 30 years with the state? Now, a quick word from one of our brand partners. Nagar was a leading provider of digital government services, partnering with state, local, and federal clients on some of their most strategic technology projects. Nagar offers expertise in digital services, legacy modernization, case management, data and AI, service desks, cybersecurity, and more. Check out Nagaro.com. That's N-A-G-A-R-R-O. My name is Kim Warren, and I am the CIO or the Technology Administrator for Department of Labor and Industry. I have been with the state for almost 30 years, and one thing about me is I do love Starbucks, as you can see. Okay, she's not getting off the hook that easy. Yeah, we're on the podcast. (laughs) Kim, what's your favorite Starbucks drink? So love Starbucks. Oh, let's see. I do love Americanos, but I try to stay away from those because of all the sugar. Let's see, dark mocha. Dark mocha. I think the dark mocha's got more sugar in it than the Americano, unless you're like my mom and she, or when she was alive, she was dumping the sugar <laughs> into her Starbucks drink. Okay, that is fantastic because at some point I so I will remember this. I will throw this in my second brain, which is my Notion database, and it's like Kim Warren loves Starbucks Americanos slash dark mocha. And it'll be like six months from now, and I'll, we'll just run into each other, and I'll just say, hey, Kim, I was thinking about you. And you're going to go, how did you remember? All because I had Starbucks. Jot those down. Love it. We'll jump right in to the podcast. On our intro call, you had mentioned that the governor has tasked the state of Montana with digitizing everything. It was a great task. Love that. Walk us through one to two specific examples of ongoing digitization projects in Montana and how they're going to benefit the folks in the state. All right, so let's see. When the governor took office, he inherited a state very much stuck in the era of snail mail, paper forms, printed documents. In a state like Montana, where citizens can literally live hundreds of miles from the nearest state office, this could be a real burden for for the families who need those services. One of his first directives in taking office was to bring state government into the 21st century, pretty much asking agencies to begin the process of digitizing thousands of forms for the use of our citizens every day. Um, At the Department of Labor and Industry, the first challenge we really had was getting a handle on exactly what those forms were. All three of our customer-facing divisions had organically really generated hundreds of different forms And the first step was an effort to get an inventory of and gain an understanding of how big that project was. 
we had our inventory, um, we put together our inventory and the next steps was determining what platform made the most sense for each of those forms and were the forms even needed? There's thousands. Can we get rid of some of those? We, many of the forms are going to be built in service now. We also use a solution called Acela for much of our professional and occupational licensing. And it turned out to be a very versatile tool for us in that process. For example, we found a whole bunch of processes for our licensees. Those could be plumbers, electricians, hairdressers, any type of licensed professional. And a bunch of these processes for applying for and updating their licenses required paper forms. By putting these forms in a cella, the citizens can complete most of these transactions digitally. It's faster and easier for them. It's far easier and cheaper for us to process. Another example, in addition to secu is a secure messaging in our new unemployment insurance system. Today, our adjudicators seek and receive information from our claimants, largely snail mail again. This means it could take several weeks for us to get the information we need to process a claim. In our new system, which we'll be able to, which I'll talk a little bit more shortly, our adjudicators can contact claimants directly and securely and get the information we need in just a matter of minutes. When a claimant loses their job and needs benefits, having this service in the system will be a game changer. I love these transformation projects, and there's a very specific reason why. While I don't live in the state of Montana, I can empathize with all of the, the, the transformations that are happening, especially on the business side, because I consume services. Citizens are on the other side of the equation consuming the services. And so in my case, I consume both personal in the state of California and business services. And so, for example, I have an LLC. I have an S-Corp. And oh, sure. there are a lot from taxes to other filings and paperworks. I don't know. My brain is just wired to look at the user experience. And, and so I, I love interviewing people on the CIOs on the side of the equation where they're trying to uh, benefit the citizens for their user experience. And then on my side, I always, and I go to other websites and poke around and look at, hey, what does this user experience look like? And I've had some CIOs cop to me, which is pretty funny. They'll go, Joe, look, we're getting the money. Give me a couple years and then you can, or give me a year, give me six months. And then you can beta test and beat up our, our new modernization, our new system. Even though I don't even live in that state, I'm just, I want to see what folks are working on. And so I love the story with the governor and Kevin and yourself. And I was talking to Carrie and it's just a stellar team in Montana yeah. looking to bring such robust modern services to public sector. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. On the consolidation and modernization projects you're currently working on, this was highlighted by Kevin in, in the original email that he sent. So I'm, I'm curious, I'm, I'm sure he'd love to hear too, particularly around focusing on improving the unemployment insurance system. You, you talked a little bit about that. How are these initiatives streamlining processes to enhance the user experience for Montanans? Montana went into the pandemic with a UI system that was already showing signs of its age. It was developed 20 plus years ago, nearing its breaking point, like many states. The pandemic really showed us how desperate our situation was and the need for a new system. We couldn't really cope with the, the flux of the claims and the countless new rules and the programs. I will say, though, that during 
a couple of overnighters during the pandemic and when it hit its peak and we partnered with a vendor to support those needs through the pandemic. Kudos to the vendor and my team. After the pandemic, it became very clear to the states around all the country that we needed to upgrade our aging UI system and bring it into the 21st century too. So working with the governor who has a background in tech and software, and then Kevin, our, we chose an approach and instead of going to the vendor and asking them to build us a system, really, we went to the vendor and said, and changed our, our paradigm to adapt the system to our processes and to fit, our processes needed to fit that system. When we pursued vendors with that approach, requiring just the bare minimum of a minimal viable product, customizations to conform to our laws, it became much more doable and the prospect. Now we're on track, on budget, on time, and we will have a new UI benefits and tax system um, come October. Also, this late summer, we will be starting our next big project in modernization. We will be retiring our legacy workforce development system and also be building to a, a new workforce development system as well, which is also in those same stages as our unemployment insurance system. So two large modernization systems for Department of Labor and Industry. I love that. And I don't even know if Kevin knows yet. I got to text him, but he's at the live event that's going to happen 30 days from now. I'm very excited. Kevin's going to come on three times. I don't know if I told him that yet, but hey, he asked me to come. So he's going to he's going to come on. But one of them, the reason why I said three times is because We've got three distinct topics I want to cover with him. One of them is workforce development. We're going to have uh, a great guest that's been on before, John Rogers, who leads the strategic workforce planning for the state of Indiana. And I know from my first podcast with Kevin how big workforce development is. So I'm very excited to cover that topic. And, and the other two topics will be fantastic with the other guests. But I love the workforce piece. So it's going to be a great conversation. Kim, implementing new technology and processes can be very challenging. I say can be, I'm like laughing. They probably will be very challenging. Talk about a few of the strategies you employ to handle stress to ensure the successful completion of the projects. Well, yeah, it can be stressful, not only from the aspect of not being 100% confident in what the new technologies and platforms can offer, because we know that changes overnight all the time but how to use the platform and technology to accomplish the business needs. The staff's constantly um, trying to stay up on that and have to learn and train. We have had success when taking time and taking the time ahead of a project, mapping out business processes. This provides us the opportunity to really analyze the process for gaps, redundancies, think critically about the function and that the needs for it to be accomplished. We like to start with the concept of the minimal viable product and managing expectations towards the initial set of baseline functions. Given the low code, we call it low code, pro code platform, COT solutions. These really lend themselves to incremental and rapid development for us. Once you get a baseline of the functionality and building on top and enhancing those, with additional automation becomes quick and easy for them to accomplish any value behind that too. It's a win, developers, business, and so forth. We also test the logic and the requirements with kind of the 80-20 rule. If the solution meets the business need for 80% of the workload, then it's a solid foundation to start with. I love that. Using the Pareto principle to figure out if there's a solid foundation and then quickly moving on. Fantastic. You say low code, pro code? 
Is that we like that? to call it, give it some acronyms here, some fancy words, low code. Yeah, no, I like that. That was the, I think I just had, I, I clipped a little video from my first interview with Kevin virtually. And he was talking about trying to get low code, no code into the hands of the users very quickly. But I love the real way. It's the low code pro code in Montana. It's fantastic. And shipping MVPs, that, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Being able to ship very quickly, iterate, test, break stuff. I love it. Yep. Moving quickly. It's fantastic. One of the other things on our intro call, Kim, that you expressed was, and this just hits home for the podcast, your enthusiasm for working with your team. You talk about the collaboration and effective communication within your team that actually helps speed up the deployment of new technologies throughout Montana. In the past few years, we have really focused on our project management processes. I think that is key to everything. The roles and responsibilities of the team members, what is really needed and the contribution expected to the team, building more self-directed and accountability cross-functional teams this is done first and foremost with Kishan on shared responsibility of the team, reaching the goals, whether it's in sprints, modules, or just an entire system. Watching our cross-functional project teams work to agree on a solution and priorities and work to meet those to beat timelines is exciting to watch. This minimizes the time and effort to escalate the decisions to management. It allows the team to be flexible, to accomplish more in the time frame allowable without the additional churn and thrash and, and everybody not being on the same page. At the end of the day, though, when a project team hits a phase of performing, the good work and the progress seems ongoing. They're excited. The quality of the project, the work improves. Task and time management skills are exercised in a way that it provides the best outcome for the technical side, the business side, and the end results for the citizens of Montana. It's delivery on time, on budget. They see results, execution. I just want to hammer home a little bit on the see results and the execution. Could you maybe talk about how that, how past execution, I mean, with 30 years of experience and being able to get projects delivered and executed on, how that just provides as I'm a high school basketball coach, I would call that street cred, how that would provide street cred for the next project when you're trying to go get funds for that. Could you maybe just talk about that for a little bit? I think in the past, it's been, we haven't been able to deliver rapidly in the past, or we didn't know how to do that. Now, we know we've changed the culture. We've changed how we develop. And so we're seeing iterations of more experience and able to deliver more rapidly. So we're seeing results faster. I love it. That's always improving. I just had a podcast number three today, Kim had a podcast earlier with the director of infrastructure for the city of Houston. It's talking to Bert and it's a lifelong journey. You're just about improving, mm-hmm. getting better. No one walks in on day one and knows everything. And so whether that's presentations or the infrastructure for the city, it's all about just improvement, getting better and and growing and, and that's what for me. and learning from each other mm-hmm. that's exactly right and that's just what makes the job fun and it's great to look back and see what improvements you have and and seeing new ways to win is always a blast 
And I'm sure as the leader of the team, that's fun for you to see the folks on your team and you can help speed them up also, which is always a blast. Speaking of your team, one of my favorite questions I've been incorporating recently, let's brag about your team. Kim, share with us a win or two that you would love to spotlight or brag about. A win that comes to mind really was moving the first of some of our several legacy systems for one of our divisions called the Employment Relations Division, which is now formerly the Employment Standards Division, into what we call the Acela platform, which is our business and licensing platform. Initially, this was an effort that we tried to leverage a platform that met several critical limitations and issues, live and learn, but that's all good too. We learn from our mistakes. Switching over that challenge to leverage the Acela platform and watching the team really embrace the roles and the responsibilities, leveraging the confidence and the knowledge of the Acela platform made it like night and day and the difference. In less than a year, we were able to accomplish that that we weren't able to accomplish in a two-year period. So it grew their confidence in this new um, Acela environment. Since then, the team, um, really tech and business, have continued to trend by identifying the roadmap and develop more functions, remove legacy apps into this, modules, all those kind of things. And it reduces our tech liability, our the tech debt, which I call tech debt, and I'll get rid of all of that maintenance of course, then goes down. Our team has really embraced the challenges of the new technologies, leveraging process and tools. I really commend the entire staff, all the way from project management, the developers, all of our leadership, even the business folks, and their willingness to learn and adapt and move things through the new culture of developing and supporting through COT solutions on the COTS platforms, it's fun to watch them grow and learn in this environment. IT shops require themselves to be a champion of change. People don't like change. I think that's pretty cool that I have a staff that is up for that challenge. It's a blessing. My staff is amazing and I love to watch them grow. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. So I love this. And I love this phrase that you just used, champion of change. How do you go about, as a leader, how do you go about initiating that conversation? Because I'm in the firm belief that it starts with the people and the team before it starts with the technology. And so champion of change is always very hard. It's difficult. Ah, nobody wants to change, right? What can we do to make it better? How do we make this grow? It's, they're up for it. That's the thing. This, these young, they have aspirations. They're, they come to me with lots of exciting things. So, okay. So we've got, they're open-minded. They're open-minded. They're innovative. They're excited. So I love these. I'm just jotting these characteristics down as I'm talking to you because I, I love this. So open-minded, innovative. Seems like the team is highly teachable. I think that's they're a, another. Teachable. They're willing to learn. They, they love the challenges that they want to train. This is great. And on my episode with Kevin, what I liked is he talked about this It's kind of alumni network where the young folks will probably, let's be real, they're probably going to leave at some point. Very few folks yeah. stay for a very long time, but almost this, this ecosystem where they'll come back to the state government maybe in 30 years or 20 years, and they're serving 
and they have the opportunity. Kim, this is a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing. There, there'll be a lot of CIOs who always love to hear what other projects are happening across the United States, what's happening in different states, how states are modernizing. And I know the conversation will be very beneficial to everyone in the audience. So I appreciate you coming on and being open. I know probably podcast is not your thing. So I appreciate <laughs> you coming on. Yeah. Thank you. I had a blast. And when I meet you at some point in person, Americano or that dark mocha, I think I'm going to have to give yeah. you the dark mocha because that one seems a little tastier. So thank you for coming on the podcast and have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate this opportunity very much. This was fun. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from techtables.com, and you're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders. Through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events, we offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode head over to spotify and apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves 